0: Chapter Ten of *The Little Foresters*, a story of field and woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. *The Little Foresters*, a story of field and woods by Clarence Hawkes. Chapter Ten a terrible ride. The hawk and the weasel are rival marauders, each carrying on his work of theft and murder in his own peculiar manner, and each doing terrible execution in field and forest. Of the two, I have the most respect for the hawk. He is more open and above board in his thieving and murdering, and rarely kills when he is not hungry, But of all the four-footed creatures that inhabit New England, the weasel is the most despicable. He will destroy a whole coop of chickens by biting a small hole in the neck of each and sucking their blood when he might make his entire meal on one chicken. He kills two squirrels for every one that he eats and all his other operations are carried on with the same cruelty and disregard for the lives of his fellow foresters. He is a destroyer, cruel and cunning, and more to be feared by the little foresters than any other creature. Even his looks are enough to make one shudder. His long, slim body with its gliding movement, his restless head turned this way and that, His hungry eyes all suggest cunning, cruelty, and daring. Sparrowhawk is quite as cruel, but he lacks the cunning of the weasel. He always carries on his work of destruction openly and with a fearlessness that is at least not cowardly. Ever since the day when Redtail had mistaken Sneak the weasel for a chipmunk and had nearly caught him in the open, there had been war between them, although they dwelt so far apart there was little chance of their meeting. Sneak would not be caught in the open again, and Redtail lived so high up in the air he was quite out of the domain of the weasel, but each kept the grudge in his heart and bided his time. It was a hot afternoon in August. The locust was singing shrilly in the weeds by the roadside. From up in the pasture came the musical tinkle of a cowbell. A light breeze occasionally rustled the leaves, making a pleasant sound. But when this muffled murmur died away, it was as still as nighttime. It was too hot for the birds to sing or the squirrels to chatter. "'In fact, the birds were away in the deep woods, molting and chirping softly to themselves. "'Suddenly there was a rustle "'and a few frightened chirps from Chatterbox the chipmunk, "'a patter of small feet in the ferns, "'and a moment later he was seen running for a big maple "'at the top of his speed.' A few feet behind him, gliding along with that easy motion, his cruel, hungry eyes fixed intently upon the little squirrel, was Sneak, the freebooter and destroyer. Chatterbox scurried up the tree with the weasel in hot pursuit. Up, up they went, the squirrel running for his life and the weasel pursuing I saw that it was hopeless for the squirrel. He would soon be at the top of the tree, and at the mercy of the weasel. But I did not know all of the squirrel's prowess. Presently he stood upon the topmost branch of the tree, with the weasel but a few feet away. Poor little fellow, I thought, and my hatred for sneak doubled. But even as I looked, the chipmunk sprang from the limb, although it was fifty or sixty feet high, spread himself out flat like a turnover and floated gracefully down through the air, landing at my feet. "'Bravo!' I cried. "'Well done, little chap!' He did not wait to hear my compliments, but was off running for all he was worth." He evidently had not seen me before, and had been greatly frightened by landing so near what he supposed another enemy. My astonishment had scarcely left me, when I was treated to another surprise, for Redtail, the old hen-hawk, sailed majestically into the very tree that Chatterbox had just left, and perched upon the limb that the squirrel had occupied." He did not see me under the tree, and I stood very still, wishing to observe him. He was a magnificent bird, measuring, as I afterwards discovered, over five feet from tip to tip. His plumage shone like burnished silver in the sunlight, and his tail was a rich deep red. I had forgotten all about Sneak when a white spot upon a limb— not over a yard from the hawk, reminded me of him. It was Sneak without a doubt, for I could see the eager, restless motion of the head and his slim figure. Then, to my great astonishment, the slender form shot like a white streak through the air and landed upon the back of the hawk, and the weasel's head was buried in the feathers of the great bird just where the neck joins the body. Then the meaning of it all flashed upon me. Greek had met Greek, and the old score would be settled. With a wild scream, the hawk rose swiftly in the air. Higher and higher it went, but I could see by the quick hard strokes of its wings the agony of the flight. Presently the hawk set its wings for a plunge downward and made a swoop, the swiftness of which no other bird can equal. Almost down to the tree he came, but as he turned in the air to ascend again, I could see the weasel still clinging to his neck. Up, up he went again, growing smaller and smaller, until he looked like a mere speck in the sky. I feared that I should lose sight of him and not see the end of this terrible struggle. But soon he began to descend again, and this time more rapidly than before, but he did not have his usual control of himself. His flight was ragged and uncertain. Once he lost the set of his wings and went over and over in the air, but with a great effort he balanced himself and came down like a falling star. When about fifty feet from the ground, he turned over on his back and beat furiously with his wings, writhing and shaking himself. Then he flopped down upon the ground and went over and over. Here was Sneak's chance to escape from his perilous position, and I thought he would take it, but not so. It was to be a fight to the finish, and he still clung to the neck of the hawk with a grip like death. With a despairing scream, the hawk rose again, going almost straight up. It was to be his last flight, and he had determined not to perish alone. If death was to come, it should come to both. When about forty rods up, his great wings collapsed, and without a struggle, he fell to the earth like a stone. I went to the spot where they had fallen, and there upon the ground was the magnificent hawk with his wings spread, and a stream of blood flowing from a hole in his neck that his enemy had made, and close beside him was the battered body of the weasel. They had fought the fight to a finish, but it had been a drawn battle, for both were dead. End of chapter 10